This is the GOAT Level Podcast with your host, the GOAT, the legend, the hero, Van Pugh. All right, let me stop playing. And I'm back again. I'm just here to tell you right now that I'm like that and I'm right back. Okay, let me stop. Let me let me stop playing for real, for real this time. Okay, so a few days ago, it was March 11th, 2021. On March 11th, 2020, the NBA shut down. I'll never forget that because I was coming from my running running group. See, this is back when life was still somewhat normal. I was coming back from my running group. Stuff started to cancel little by little. The pandemic's picking up. And I hear on the radio and on Twitter that I saw it on Twitter. I think it was Woj. I think it was Adrian Wojnarowski. He said the NBA suspended its regular season indefinitely. Just straight up, just one sentence. And I was like, what? I don't know. I, I, I'm i pretty sure I did a show right after that. I should pull up the show and pull up a clip from that show. But damn, bro. Damn, bro. I was like, that was the start of my world and everyone else's world. Especially if you're a sports fan, that was the start of your world just turning upside down. I mean... Right before then, right before then, I went to my last sporting event, live sporting event. My little cousin's flag football game doesn't count. But my last live sporting event was the DC Avengers, something like that. See, I forgot their names. DC Defenders, yeah. The DC Defenders versus St. Louis Battlehawks, where Taylor Heineke was the backup quarterback on that team. And D.C. won. And St. Louis got on a little bit on a roll, and they was number one on the East, on the Eastern Conference side of the league, of the XFL. And D.C. beat them. They stopped the losing streak. They were undefeated at home. I was looking to see what they was going to do. I truly believed that they were going to be in the finals, even though they, didn't, they hadn't won a road game. But anyway, man, it's just another one of those days where – you just think, just like when Kobe died, I'm looking at his picture right now, by the way. Just like when Kobe died, you look back and you like, damn, where was I that day? I know where I was at. I was getting out the car. I was looking at Twitter like I always do. And Woj said the season was over. I was like, this is for real. This is for real. That was the turning point. Everyone, people can say, Oh, that was just one little basketball player with the Rudy Gobert thing. You can say that, and things had been happening before then. No, that was the turning point. Because right after that, right after that, my social league canceled this season. Then XFL canceled their season. Baseball delayed. We weren't even worried about the NFL. It wasn't even draft time yet. The combine had just happened, so we weren't worried about the NFL. And it was just, man, pandemonium. It felt like when it happened that day, I was just, it just automatically just ruined my night. And then the next day, it just felt like, damn, what are we going to do? And then right after that, the restrictions start happening. Like, businesses started to close. You couldn't eat at a restaurant. You couldn't go to no concerts or sporting events. I was just stuck in the house. My running group stopped meeting at the end of the month. 
Of course, my pickup group stopped stopped meeting, basketball and football. Well, football they didn't come back till like May. Basketball they still haven't came back. My running group still hasn't came back, even a year later. But man, dog, and and you know what? They got a the reason why I put this in the show because they have a podcast episode, ESPN Thirty for Thirty podcast. It's a really good episode. March 11th, 2020, they predictably did a 30 for 30 on it, but in podcast form. You got uh, interviews from the jazz beat writer, Rudy Gobert, Ramona Shelburne. It's really good. Go check it out. Um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get podcasts, I think you'll be able to pick up the ESPN 30 for 30 podcast. And they did, just like they did a 30 for 30 on June 17th, uh, 1994, they did one for March 11th, 2020, because that was a big day. That was the day where the stuff just started going downhill. But humans are resilient, and we've come back. We're coming back. The, the virus still isn't gone. People still dying. People still getting sick. But we are way better off than we were last year. And we got a vaccine. So... I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged about that. But man, dog. And then still, even with and March Madness was canceled. When they canceled March Madness, that that definitely sent a blow to my world. And that's when just life just started to spiral just out of control. Like I stayed in the house more. My hobbies were taken away. I couldn't get out as much. I started staying up all night. I couldn't sleep. Played a lot more video games. Gained weight. It's just, it took me a while to rebound. And it's still taking me time to really get back to where I was last year. Oh, and I quit dating. But that's not important. We, we, that's a whole nother show. <laughs> so, anyway. It's crazy where we are now compared to last year. Now, Duke, ironically, on March 11th, but this time in 2021, Duke got taken out of the ACC tournament because of COVID. Someone got COVID. The rumor is a freshman on their team, a freshman walk-on, went to a fraternity rush, got the virus, got the virus, and that was it. That sucks. That sucks because we were all just on the edge of our seats just seeing if Duke, because they've had a down year. I thought Duke. For like the next 10 or 20 years or until Coach K retired, I thought they were going to be a top five team for the foreseeable future because they got all these top 25, top 100 recruits. They got Matthew Hurt, who is like a top 10 player. They got Jalen Johnson, even though that didn't really work out. They got a lot of talent and they got Coach K and they've been mediocre this year. It's just crazy. Um, they had beat Louisville, who I thought ended their season pretty much because Louisville beat them like a week ago. And I was like, oh, that's it for Duke. That was a crushing loss. They got their revenge, and they beat Louisville, who was also on the bubble. Cool. Then they had to play Florida State. They were probably going to lose because Florida State's a better team. But it's Coach K, so you never know. It's Coach K, so you... So you never know what can happen. And that's what we all were wondering. What, where are they going to make that postseason run into the tournament? Because they was on the bubble, and they were only looking like they were going to be on the outside looking in. They got COVID. They were out the ACC tournament. 
and we just assume that they're out. But breaking news, though, breaking news. This came in like like 15, like 20, 30 minutes ago. That Duke could still play as a virus replacement team. What? I think in order to be a virus replacement team, a team has to have COVID, a COVID case or something within the next week or so. Then they'll put Duke in there. I still think it's unlikely. I say that, but come on, man. Like all these teams, Virginia was out because of COVID. They got taken out of the ACC tournament because of COVID. And North Carolina A&T, the top seed in the MEAC, taken out because of COVID. Uh, who else? It's probably more, but that's the main thing. Those are the three biggest teams taken out because of COVID. And then also, Notre Dame got blown out by North Carolina. They lost one-on-one to 59. They had a crazy game-winning shot against somebody. And then they turn around. They turn around against North Carolina and wasn't competitive. It's not like North Carolina is this beast of a team. But North Carolina destroyed them. And it was somewhat, the game was somewhat in reach at halftime. But the game was somewhat at re- in reach at halftime. But somehow, some way, North Carolina just straight up ran away with it. One on one fifty nine, really? In D one basketball, just like I'll talk about this very soon. Just like OU scoring fifteen points in the first half, in the entire first half, and you're a D one A basketball team. Yeah, out of here, son. Y'all loafing. Oh man, and, and and some of the Cinderellas, man, like some of the Cinderellas that fell short, like Elon. Elon was an eighth seed in the Colonial and. You know, they they made a nice little run, man. They um they blew out Hofstra, they upset James Madison, who was the top seed, and then they just fell short, man. They they lost to Drexel. Drexel from Philly. I only know Drexel's in Philly because when I took the mega bus, they drop us off on 30th Street Station, which is Pretty much right next to Drexel campus. That's the only reason I know. But this is the first time they've made it to the tournament in 25 years. That is crazy. Wow, man. Congrats to them. I wanted to see Elon, but this works too. So congrats to them. Um, Some other things that happened this weekend or, or during this champ week. Uh, West Virginia. West Virginia lost to Oklahoma State. No way. No way. West Virginia. Oh, my God. West Virginia lost to Oklahoma State. They had them, bro. They had them. Like, both teams in the second half, they made their little runs, and they got ahead. But they had a chance to win at the end, or maybe tie, and Jeff McNeil made, like, 50 million shot fakes and made the three, but it was, like, two seconds after the buzzer sounded. Bro, I was crushed, bro, because I wanted Oklahoma State to lose. Not only did they beat OU twice, but they are bitter rivals. It's Bedlam. No, I don't, I don't like them, bro. And I don't even have the Oklahoma tie to them. Like, some Oklahoma fans will root for them just because they're from Oklahoma. The Them Cowboys, the Pokies. 
But I ain't from Oklahoma. I'm from D.C. But I went to the University of Oklahoma. Bro, I cannot stand Oklahoma State. And they beat, they escaped West Virginia. Then they beat Baylor. Baylor, the second best team in the country, Baylor. You got to be kidding me, bro. I'm pissed. And then who do they play? Who do they play in the Big 12 championship? Texas. Texas beat Texas Tech. And then Kansas, that's the other team that got the COVID L. They caught the COVID L. And they're, they got put out of the Big 12 tournament because of COVID. They could have they definitely beat Texas. Even though they struggled with Texas in the regular season, they lost to them twice. I mean, the way they were shooting the ball, even against OU, they definitely could have beat can't they definitely could have beat Texas like what are we talking about right now uh one last thing before oh before I get to that one last thing this is what I was afraid of I don't know what show it was way back when Greg Brown when I found out about Greg Brown and that he was from Austin and was going to Texas I said you gotta watch out for Kate Cunningham and Greg Brown and I wasn't sure how OU was going to beat them. And sure enough, and sure enough, those guys are in the freaking Big 12 championship going against each other. You have got to be kidding me. I can't believe this, man. Our rivals are playing for the Big 12 championship. And I was like, okay, I was afraid of them at first. And for good reason, they're very talented, Greg Brown and Cade Cunningham. But when I saw... Oklahoma get on a roll and get to number seven in the country. I was like, Lon Kruger, bef- even before that, I was like, yeah, those guys are good, but I believe in Lon Kruger. He's a good coach, and he'll have those guys ready to play. And for the most part, against Texas and Oklahoma State, they had to fight for those wins against us. They weren't easy. And they did. that's exactly what happened. Now we lost Oklahoma State twice and we split with Texas, but we were we could have easily won all four of those games. If we got a rebound here, a defensive stop here, could have won those games. But like I said, now back to this last thing. The Howard. Howard women's basketball. I guess I'll talk about them since the Howard men were out of the tournament because they caught the COVID L. They caught a big COVID L. They were out of the tournament. They're not only out of the tournament, their season ended like a month or two early they weren't doing very well anyway they probably weren't going to overtake the the throne the throne of titans that is Norfolk state and north carolina central like those two are on top of the mountain in the miak basketball league and in north carolina ant is right there too they weren't they weren't gonna beat those guys. I, I don't think so. That's what my gut said. I know, I know I declared that they were gonna win the MEAC championship because I was just hopefully thinking that Maker Maker was gonna dominate and he was gonna have shooters outside of him when they doubled him. But you know, they didn't get a chance to, and I don't see Maker Maker on any draft board. He should be coming back. He should be coming back. So, they might get another shot at that. They might get another shot at it. Now, oh, okay, before I forget, before I forget, Georgetown. Georgetown's making a run. They upset Villanova, and then they beat Seton Hall. Now they got Creighton, who's the number two seed. Villanova was a one seed. Seton Hall was a five seed. Now Creighton's a two seed. Georgetown wasn't even on the bubble. 
So I don't know if they played themselves on the bubble with those last two games. I don't think so. So they're going to have to win this game to get in the tournament. They have to. They beat Creighton this year already. They're one and one against Creighton. So they can beat them. Well, I'll definitely I'll be listening on the radio because the game's at 6.30 and I'll be starting my lift session at 7. So I will listen to it on the radio. I won't get to watch it, unfortunately. So now it's time for The Sooner Schooner. I'll say this one more time. How the hell you only score 15 points and a half? How? In college, in D1, in the highest level of college, how do you only score 15 points and a half, bro? That's ridiculous. But see, I didn't watch that half because I did a little extra lift uh, sessions. I, I I was out for a little bit longer doing lifts, so I missed the entire first half. Okay, fine. And they got down 20. I was like, man, what the hell are they doing? But when I, I got to sat, sit down, as soon as the half started, second half started, I sat down, I got me my food, I got some food, I, I watched the game, and to their credit, they battled back. They fought. They had a sense of urgency on both ends of the floor. On defense, Brady Manick was capping stuff. Uh, the on-ball pressure was really good. This is a good defensive team when they want to be. And that's what keeps them in a lot of games. See, that's what's good about them compared to some other good Sooner teams in the past decade. They play defense. The rebounding is still an issue. I wish they'd fix that. And also, their late-game execution on offense. It's just a bunch of standing around watching Austin Reeves play hero ball. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you right now that Austin Reeves is a heist box. Real talk. Now, where I'm from in D.C., if you get called a heist box, you're on the court and you don't really pass the ball. And usually when you get called a heist box, you're not really doing too much. You're doing a lot of dribbling. You're not really scoring. You're not passing the ball. So you get called out for heisting, and you get called a heist box. That's D.C. slang. It might be some other slang, but that's definitely D.C. slang. That's what Austin Reeves is sometimes. And sometimes it works out. He'll hit a nice little step back. Hit a nice little three, especially um in transition. Yesterday he he was in transition, no one around. He stepped up, he pulled up, and he he switched that shot. He has a lot of confidence, which is a good thing, and sometimes it's a bad thing, because we lost some games just because he's heisting and trying to play hero ball. Like I said, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, because he'll be one on four. And he'll turn the ball over or he'll uh, charge into somebody and it goes the other way. It's frustrating. Hopefully they figure that out. Or maybe he can draw the defense in and kick it out. Man, we got Moja Gibson and Brady Manning and even Harkless can shoot a three or two. Like, we don't. you don't have to put the team on your back all the time, bro. Showing me, blowing me, man. I'm like, man, pass the ball, bro. I know, I know 
He's the second or third best player in the freaking Big 12. Okay, I get it. I know he wants to be that dude. And and, and for the most part, he is. But just sometimes, bro, it's just too much. It be costing us game. Damn, bro. But, hey, they battled back. They were down 20-something and cut it to three. I like the fight, but, man, the execution down the stretch was mind-blowing. And, okay, the opposite thing happened to the Oklahoma women. The Oklahoma women play Oklahoma State. Must-win game. They're on the last line of the last four out. So if you're the last four out, that means you're the four teams that's right there. You're right there. Like, about to get in the tournament. You're right on the outside looking in. You're, like, next in line. Like, say if Chipotle was full and you had, like, four people outside the door waiting to get in. That's pretty much Oklahoma in the bubble. Oklahoma women in the bubble. They're that part of that group trying to get in the door. They needed to win that game. And for the most part, they were taking care of business. They had a double-digit lead. They had a 15-point lead. They had a 10-point lead with like six, seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And somehow, someway, Oklahoma State just started making everything. And then when they were missing everything, and even when they were missing, they were getting rebounds and putbacks and fouls and getting to the free throw line. And okay, we still had a chance to win at the end, even when it was tied. Gabby Gregory traveled. You have got to be kidding me. And then in overtime, couldn't hit a bucket. That was a terrible way to end the season. You lose to your rivals for a third time. You need to win to get in the tournament. And you lose when you had a 10-point lead and you were comfortably ahead with five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. You have got to be kidding me. So Oklahoma women's basketball finished 12-12. and 12. If that isn't... If that isn't... 12 and 12, 500 behavior. I don't know what it is. Play well for most of the game, then you don't finish. Or you start off the game not playing well, then you don't finish well. Or or then you finish well. Just like their season. They started off a little rocky. Then they picked it up. Then they lost a game here and there. And then they picked it up at the end. And then they lost to Oklahoma State. Dog, you got to be kidding. So they're out. They're out. They're going to need a miracle. Like, it's going to take a miracle for the selection committee to have mercy on them and say, you know what? We're going to put them in a tournament. They're not going to be in a tournament. They're not even on. I don't even think they're on the bubble on CBS. I, The two sites I've looked at for women's bracketology has them out. They're not going to be in the tournament. It's unfortunate. I don't know if they're going to have an NIT. If they do, if they do, they're, they're going to be in it. So, I guess I'll root for them in the NIT because they ain't going to be in the tournament. It's a shame, man. They were so close. They were very close. And in West Virginia, they already beat West Virginia. That's who they were going to play if they held on against Oklahoma State. West Virginia needed a game-winning shot to beat Kansas State, the worst team in the conference. They could have definitely beat West Virginia. Then you get your shot at Baylor, assumably. And then even if it wasn't Baylor, even if Baylor got upset by Texas, you beat Texas too. Dog, I'm heated, bro. I was just getting into it, man. I was just getting into the Oklahoma women's basketball season, and then they just fell on their face. 
Shame, but, you know, hey, maybe next year. That's all I got to say. And as far as the men's, the last bracketology I saw, they dropped down to a seven. That's what I was afraid of. I was like, they lose if they lose before the semifinals, I was like, they're going to drop down to a seven. If they lost to Iowa State, they were going to drop down to a nine, maybe even the bubble. They, no, they weren't going to be on the bubble, but they, I thought they were going to be no lower than eight. It looks like they're going to be a seven. They might be a six. Like, Joe Lenardi is pretty good, but sometimes, like, he might be off by a seed or two. They might still be a six seed, but most likely, the way they've been sliding lately, they've lost five or six. Like, they're going to be a seven seed, most likely. And we're going to get a tough 10 seed team. Let's just hope for the best. Hell, we might get Duke. <laughs> if they're a replacement team, we might get Duke. But we'll see, man. I mean, we can beat them this time. When we had Trey Young, and Trey Young had to go against Marvin Bagley and them, I don't know. We would have died. But this Duke team, I think we can beat them if we, by some miracle, get them in the first round. Or we might get one of these mid-major teams that isn't battle-tested like us. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. Also, uh, Oklahoma softball is dominating. They're bodying people. They're 20 and 0. They lead the country in batting, batting 479. They have the most runs with 231. They average 12 runs a game. They lead the country in homers with 66. The next most is Arkansas with 47. They these numbers are crazy. This is crazy offensive production and I don't even know who all who plays on the team. I haven't sat down and watched them. I'll just be looking at scores, looking at Twitter, looking at stats. I, all I know, the only people I really know is Jocelyn Allo and Giselle Juarez. Oh, and Shannon Shell, Sell. I don't really know who's on that team, bro. I haven't sat down and watched them yet. I got to watch this team. This team is just demolishing people, and they're undefeated. Well, Houston gave them some tough games, but they still beat them. And they beat some ranked teams. They beat Missouri, and they beat um, Arizona State. I Okay, yeah. Like I said, okay, most of their schedule has been Mickey Mouse. But even then, still, their numbers are insane, even with a somewhat Mickey Mouse schedule. But the schedule is about to heat up. They got Iowa State in two weeks, I believe. That's when it really gets popping because Iowa State got a decent team this year. Iowa State, you're going to have to play Baylor, who's ranked. You got to play Texas, who's ranked. Like, you got to play Georgia. That's a big one. So, it's not going to be easy, man. It's not It's not going to be easy down the stretch. But if this team keep putting up these type of numbers, it's over. They ain't going to lose more than five games. I wonder if they're just as good as the 2012-2013 team or the the 2018 team. Or was it 2019? One of them teams was otherworldly good, but somehow still lost in the freaking tournament. I think it was the 2018 team. I don't know if they're that good, but we'll see. So far, so good. We're spoiled as Oklahoma sports fans because they're so damn good. Same thing with gymnastics. You know what I'm saying? I just hope they keep it up and bring the title home. Because it's, it, it's going to eventually get harder. But for now, they're still on Mickey Mouse time. 
<laughs> oh, man. But now it's time to hop off the Sooner Schooner. Talk about the Wizards real quick. The Wizards have lost two in a row. They came off the All-Star break and lost two in a row. What the hell? They lost to Memphis, who they can't figure out. Fallon Chunez had 29 and 20. Fallon Chunez is a mediocre center. He killed us twice. He really killed us last game. The Wizards got out-rebounded by like 20. What? And then what makes it worse is they played the Sixers at home. They haven't lost to the Sixers at home even when we were terrible. They hadn't lost to the Sixers at home in the last 10 times we played them in D.C. Beat. I don't know when the last time they won in Philly, by the way, but we always split home and home. They lost to the Sixers at home, and it wasn't even close. MB played like three quarters. He had a double-double. It had over 20 points. He posterized Garrison Matthew. He posterized him, then got hurt. But thankfully, it's no ACL tear or torn meniscus, none of that. And it looked like he should be back this season, so that's a blessing. But, man, I watched the Wizards last night. They didn't play no defense, bro. The Sixers just got whatever they wanted, what whenever they wanted. You know, when the Wizards are playing this bad at defense, they always have a play that just make you say, "Do y'all even try?" Matisse Thybul. I'm, I'm I'm not even kidding. He got the ball. He drove down the lane. He wasn't even touched. Tomahawk slam. You gotta be kidding me. These guys, man. I'm watching these guys. I'm like, God damn, man. We trash again. We suck again, dog. And I'm I'm looking at their offense while they're getting blown out. And their whole offense is like me on 2K. Just spam Russell Westbrook going to the rack. I swear to God, there were a bunch of plays where Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook be heisting too. I'm sorry. He he do sometimes. But there were a bunch of plays where he just go to the rim, don't pass anybody. He may or may not make the layup. Or he'll post the guy up, not pass anybody, take a jump shot. Or he'll do this thing where he... Kind of hesitates, hezzy, hezzy, and then pulls up. And he may or may not make that. I'm thankful that we have Westbrook. And he got his his 20 points or so. But man, bro, watching that offense just is just tough to watch. It's just tough to watch sometimes. And then Bradley Bill kind of kind of cooled off like yesterday. I'm just like, man, dog, we suck again. Hopefully it's just a minor setback. And that they're still on track. But um, last time I checked, they're still out of the playoff race. This is a talented enough team to at least be in 10. And we're not in 10. We just lost two in a row. Memphis ain't all that. Memphis is an average to maybe above average team. But we don't match up well. The Sixers, arguably the best team in the league. But MB got hurt at the end. And they didn't have Ben Simmons. What? We got to play Milwaukee. Not looking good. I mean, dog. Oh, my God. We got to play the Jazz. Arguably the best team in the league. Not looking good. Got to get it together. Or we going to be in trouble. But the Caps. Now, the Capitals. Capitals, on the other hand, they balling. They still haven't lost to the Devils yet. They beat the Devils again. Thank God. They beat the Flyers. They got revenge on the Flyers. Thank God. They beat the Bruins again. So they're, they're doing well. They're doing well. I mean, other than that stupid Tom Wilson 
game. He's suspended. He's still suspended, and we're still winning games. They're on a roll. But like I said, I'm just I'm just watching the cycle. I'm just hoping they break the cycle of emerging as a top seed and choking in the playoffs. I'm just waiting to see. Hopefully, they haven't beat the Rangers yet. Hopefully, they do. The way the Rangers playing, the Rangers are going to get this work too. <laughs> but the Capitals, the Capitals are up there. The Capitals are up there. They're winning games. They're doing well. I just hope they keep it up. I'm still skeptical. I'm looking at it. I, I didn't write any notes for this. Wow. Oh, and uh, Bradley Bill. Bradley Bill went uh, 6 for 22 against the Grizzlies, I believe. Grizzlies or the Sixers. Yeah, it was the Grizzlies. And Westbrook shot more than Bill versus the Sixers. Oh, my God. Oh, and every Grizzly starter was in double digits. The Wizards are frustrating. The Caps, I'm watching them closely. Uh, well, not closely because, you know, I can't catch all those games. But <laughs> I'm keeping my eye on them. I'm side-eyed in them. I'm like, I don't know what y'all are up to. I don't know if y'all going to keep this up or choke. Now, let's get into something else here. What What's next here? Oh, the Myers Leonard anti uh Semitism thing. I don't know what he said, but anti Semitism thing is just just like racism against black people. I'm like, bruh, it doesn't make sense. It's just people just acting a certain way towards people who are different than them. And I just kind of understand it, but I don't. Like, I'm like, man, he ain't that much different. Like, these people ain't that much different from us, man. Like, we're all human still, but I know we got different cultures and values and stuff, but we still just, like, treat each other with respect and kindness and love, man, until otherwise. But if you don't got a good reason to disrespect another person like that, then what's the point of... Being racist and anti-Semitic. And I'm just like, yo, I kind of think anti-Semitism is freaking conspiracy theory. It's all conspiracy theories to me. It doesn't make sense. Y'all worried about the leaders in our country and in the world being Jewish and blaming the Jews for a lot of our problems. And I'm like, bruh. If you really want to change something, get some people together and do something about it. Don't complain and worry about a conspiracy theory. Don't worry about rich Jews because rich Jews hasn't really affected my life like that. I don't really care. You know, let them do them. And besides, it's Jews are just, they're bigger than people who are quote unquote Jewish. It's not just... The people who are in leadership or who own things, god damn it. I mean, it's regular Jews, it's poor Jews, all that, bro. Like, it's a wide net. I'm not worried about, I, I'm not just going to stereotype them and shit just because of a few people and a few people being in power. And Myers Leonard, like, I don't know why he said what he said. I have to look at the clip. But, you know... Hopefully he learns from this. I assume he's learning from this. Just like Nick Cannon and, and 
Deshaun Jackson, like when you're in a position like these guys are, you really got to watch what you say. That's it. Like, that's what it is. You got to watch what you say. and You got to watch who you are hurting when you say stuff that you say. Even though, you know, stuff is conspiracy theory to me. Like some 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 of these anti-Semitic views, you really gotta get, you really gotta show me proof that this stuff makes any sense, because most of this stuff don't. It just doesn't to me, man. I know I'll probably catch flack from it, and some people be cool with the stuff that Deshaun Jackson, Myers Leonard, and Nick Cannon said. I'll be cool with it because that's what they believe, too. But it's just like it's just nonsense, bro. I'm not gonna cancel Myers Leonard. I hope he still gets to play. But you know, you just gotta learn. Just it's a learning experience. That's all, man. Just let's, we gotta learn and grow, man. We ain't perfect. None of us perfect. On God. But you know, I'm done with that. I'm done with that nonsense. So now it's time for the hypothetical game of the episode. This hypothetical game of the episode is part two of the mini tournament, the Jamaican Montego Bay mini tournament between uh, Beverly Hills and Good Council and South Crenshaw and McNamara. So part two, South Crenshaw versus 2009 McNamara. 2009 McNamara is the team I played on, probably one of the best teams I've ever played on. One of the best, not the best, but it's up there. One of the best teams I've ever played on. It was a lot of fun that whole season. Even though, you know, it didn't really hang out with everyone. I wasn't close to everyone on that team. But we, we were a pretty talented bunch. And we could have definitely won it all. But we didn't because we ran into the buzzsaw that was the 2009 Good Council team. And even if we beat them, like it's one thing to almost beat them at the at the end of a regular season, a somewhat meaningless regular season game, is another thing to try to beat them in a championship. That would have been tough. But good counsel got us out of there, and we didn't get that chance. But anyway, South Crenshaw, if you watch the show All-American, the made-up school that Spencer James transferred back to after spending his junior season at Beverly Hills High, he came back with Billy Baker, the head coach, and they started 0-2. All that talent on their team, they started 0-2. I don't know why. They're trying to make states, but start 0-2. Nonsense. Anyway, their key players, Spencer James, uh, of course, the wide receiver, DB, uh, Top prospect that's probably going to UCLA. You got Chris, the quarterback, who came back from a vicious knee injury that Spencer James gave him in the championship the previous season. Darnell, the transfer quarterback, that shares that is a Spencer James step brother or half brother or whatever. Um, you got the the running back guy. I don't know his name. The DB guy from the last episode that was a hell of a corner but got ruled ineligible by a shady principal. Then Billy Baker, the coach. 
these supposed, you know, NFL player, former NFL star coming back to his alma mater to coach after being the coach at Beverly Hills High. So they got a nice little squad, I guess. I mean, they're not that good to me. Anyway, but my squad, you got me, you got Brandon Coleman, who played for Rutgers, our best player, uh, six five six six receiver, went to Rutgers, played for the Saints with Drew Brees. Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he was nice. James Joseph, our quarterback, Matt Goldsmith, went to Illinois State. He was our other receiver. Krishan Rose, our, arguably our second best player, who went to East Carolina and got on the Vikings. Got Demetrius Baxter, who was second team all conference. You got Nico Law. I think he was all conference. You got a whole bunch of other people I, I, I haven't mentioned, but we had a nice little squad. And other people that went D1 and did all right in college. You got Bryce Bevel, our head coach, who played for Syracuse. And he was, good. he was a good coach. You know what I'm saying? He was pretty good. He went to the math too, but yeah, well, whatever, whatever. You know, <laughs> when he was coaching for us, man, I I was cool with it. I, I didn't even think, about, think twice about it. Anyway, they, let's get the game started. So South Crenshaw gets the ball. On first down, South Crenshaw gets the ball. They get a first down on the first play, uh, run up the middle. Then they punt it. They punt it after a three and out. After that first down, they went three and out. Then they punt it. So DJ, uh, we call him DJ, Devin Bassett, yeah. Devin, yeah. So he got the punt return. And he runs it all the way past the 50. So then, right off the bat, I was a guard on this team. I was left guard on this team. Right off the bat, Hannibal, our other running back, our main running back, he got a first down, 11 yards. And then James Joseph hits a slant to Matt Goldsmith for another first down. And then our bruising running back, Brandon Jackson, Took it 10 yards for a touchdown and made the extra point. So 7-0, 2009 McNamara. But South Crenshaw came right back with a long drive. Some runs, some passes, mostly passes. And then Chris with a play fake, and he hit the tight end for a touchdown. But they missed the extra point because their kicking is shaky. They're not like Matt Michael, our kicker. So... There you go. So both teams stall to end the quarter. Defenses are picking up. Krishan Rose is pretty much unblockable. Marcus is unblockable. And they're, they're, they're really wreaking havoc. So 7-6, McNamara at the end of one. Then Spencer James takes a reverse to the three-yard line of McNamara, and they're running back. Punches it in for six. Okay, bet, bet. So, and then they go for two because they frustrated with their kicker. They do a read option with Chris. He keeps it, and he scores. And it's 14-7 South Crenshaw. So then, after a few plays, um, James hits Matt Goldsmith with a dig route. 
from 60 yards out, and he scores. Now it's tied. Now it's tied, 14-14. So South Crenshaw then goes three and out. McNamara has a decent drive, but James throws an interception to Spencer James. That didn't make sense. <laughs> but James Joseph throws an interception to Spencer. Boom. But South Crenshaw turns the ball over on downs on fourth down. So McNamara has a chance to score to end the half, but they couldn't get it in there. Um, they they couldn't they couldn't get it in the end zone, but it's okay because we're at halftime. It's tied 14-14. To start the to start the half, Mac gets the ball after a few plays, a few short runs. James hits James Joseph hits Brandon Coleman for a 70-yard touchdown after he mauls Spencer James and stiff arms the the safety and scores so now it's 21 14 2009 McNamara no more nobody scored the rest of the quarter a few sacks and Krishan had a strip sack and fumble recovery so but McNamara did nothing with that so there you go fourth quarter 21 14 21-14, 2009 McNamara. South Crenshaw had zero yards rushing the whole third quarter. So, but then they finally get it going at the start of the fourth with a few short passes, a few medium passes, and then, and then their running back breaks through the second level, sprints past Brandon Coleman, and scores for 34-yard touchdown, and now it's 21-21, tied up. This is a good game. It's much closer than I thought it was going to be. Much closer than I thought. So now the defense is tightened tighten again, and then McNamara gets the ball. James hits Lamont right up the seam for a 20-yarder. But then after, after that, some trash talking happens. Lamont, Hannah, and them talking trash with Spencer James and and everyone's on defense. It's getting heated, some pushing, some suffering. No no flags, no flags, but it's it's getting heated. Yeah, it's getting heated and tensions are rising at a close game. It's 21-21. But then right after that, James throws it to the end zone to Brandon Coleman and he mosses Spencer James again. And steps out at the five. Brandon Jackson punches it in. And it's 28-21, 2009 McNamara. Less than two minutes ago, defense has just got to hold on, and then McNamara will win. South Crenshaw only has one timeout. So on the kickoff return, Spencer James gets hit real hard. He gets hit real hard. He fumbles. But... After a pile up on the ground, South Crenshaw somehow recovers, and they keep the ball. So after looks like three and out, three and almost out, fourth down, this is the game. Uh, Chris connects on fourth down by using his legs. He scrambles. He does just enough to outrun Kari, our middle linebacker, and now... They're in our territory. They're in 2009 McNamara territory. Once again, three downs, nothing happening. 
but their running back gets another fourth down with a short pass after he evades the corner and pushes through the tackle to get just enough of the sticks for first down. With 20 seconds to go, down by seven. Chris hits Spencer James with 20 seconds to go with a corner route for a touchdown. And now it is 28-27. The play here is to go for a field goal, right? Tie the game up. They don't believe in their field goal kicker. So they're going to go for two. They decide to go for two. Chris takes the snap. He scrambles around. Scrambles. He's looking, looking. He scrambles for 10 seconds, then fires it in the middle of the field to their tight end, and he scores. And it's 29-28, South Crenshaw. No timeouts for McNamara. 20 seconds to go. DJ once again runs it back to the 50. He has another really good return, and they're set up nicely for at least a field goal. Uh, Lamont catches a quick out route to the 40, and it's pretty much six seconds to go. Pretty much. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's like like eight seconds to go. So James throws it up to Brandon Coleman once again. He mosses four people. It looks like he was going to score, but he gets tackled at the one, and the game is over. South Crenshaw wins 29-28. And they will take on the 2009 Good Council Falcons for the mini tournament title. The Bahamas, not the Bahamas version, but the Montego Bay version of a mini tournament. And whoever wins will get the trophy and bragging rights, I guess. And that will be it. So that would, so that's the hypothetical game of the episode and the end of the episode, 29-28, South Crenshaw. So with that being said, I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to another episode of the GOAT Level Podcast. Make sure you share, subscribe, and get money.